Chapter 8 of the Campfire Girls at Sunrise Hill. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Shasta, Oakland, California. The Campfire Girls at Sunrise Hill by margaret vandercook chapter eight other girls besides the four girls who have just returned from their lake there were six others in the camp at sunrise hill their guardian miss mcmurtry and one small imp or angel according to one's way of looking at things for margaret everett had joined the summer campers and in order to accomplish it had brought her small brother horace virgil everett along with her you see the girls felt they simply must have meg so after a great deal of discussion it was decided that horace virgil would be an excellent person to practice mothercraft upon and would certainly bring into service whatever first-aid information might be required. Meg was so gay, so sweet-tempered, and so utterly inconsequential. If things were going well in camp, if the sun was shining and everybody was feeling amiable, then she was entirely happy. But if things were going wrong, then it was that Meg counted for she kept her temper through almost any kind of stress she did not have so many moods as polly she was not so quiet and reserved as molly nor did she expect the world to move according to her desires as betty ashton did meg's faults were that she was not a good manager and did try to do too many things at once and so did none of them well but she had not had an easy time since her mother died two years ago although her father and older brother adored her they were selfish in unconscious masculine ways president everett in devoting too much time to his school and john to his studies and amusements unfortunately neither of them realized that meg might now and then grow weary of having a small brother capable of originating new kind of mischief at least once an hour everlastingly tagging after her but meg's cares if she ever called them by that name had for the present been entirely lifted from her for she had ten other people now to help her take care of bumps whom the girls had rechristened high ye or little brother and if meg had been asked to vote upon the happiest week of her life since her mother's death she would instantly have voted her first week in camp with her own club of campfire girls then 
there was sylvia wharton did sylvia really enjoy the change in her life from staying cooped up in a great house looked after by servants and alone a great part of the time when her father was away her brother frank who was several years older seldom paid the least attention to her if the little girl did enjoy the woods and the companionship of the other girls and all the opportunities that the campfire life offered her so far she showed not the slightest sign her one pleasure must have been her chance to haunt polly o'neill for although she did not seem particularly happy when she was with polly certainly she never left her side unless she were compelled to do her share of the camp work and only then when polly insisted upon it already miss mcmurtry felt that sylvia might become difficult but then the child had had no training and besides miss mcmurtry shared the belief that almost all other persons than sylvia was simply stupid curiously enough eleanor meade now appeared to have been invited into the first woodford campfire circle under a false impression you see the girls at the high school where eleanor was also a student considered her a genius and it is agreeable for a community to have one genius in its midst eleanor did have talent for drawing and besides she had a number of characteristics which many persons associate with genius she was entirely careless of her other responsibilities and if she happened to wish to paint consider it entirely unreasonable that anything or anybody should interfere with her desire she was often in the habit of forgetting engagements and at times there was a far-away expression in her eyes which may have come from having neglected to wear her glasses but which her friends believed due to the thrall of some wonderful creative idea which might be presented to the world some day in the form of a great picture and eleanor being but human and seventeen had done her best to foster this belief she would not dress in modern fashions like the other girls her parents had little money but eleanor's mother was a clever needlewoman and her eldest daughter had always appeared in gowns made after exactly the same pattern and of some soft clinging material whether cashmere or cheesecloth they were always short-waisted with a folded girdle and deep hem and cut low in the neck then eleanor's hair which was heavy and straight and a kind of ashen brown was always worn 
parted in the middle and fixed in a great loose knot at the back of her neck eleanor was not pretty like betty and meg and molly and at times polly o'neill but she would have scorned to have been thought pretty interesting was the adjective she preferred however since eleanor's appearance in camp for almost a week she had forgotten to be a genius for one thing the girls were all wearing the regulation camp-fired uniform a loose blouse and dark blue serge skirt and so she could not dress the part then although the campfire official log-book had been given her to illustrate she had not even started to paint the totem of the sunrise camp on its brown leather cover although sunrise hill stood always before her in its changing beauty the girls had taken its name for their camp with the thought that the hill might symbolize their own efforts to look upward always to the highest and most beautiful things but eleanor should hardly be blamed for not having done much painting so far there had been such a lot of other work to do in helping to put things in order in camp and besides she had developed the most surprising talent for making an irish stew that was the envy and delight of all the other girls eleanor said it was because she had a soul above science and used her imagination in her stew but whatever the reason since the first day when the cooking of dinner fell to her this stew had been one of the greatest successes in camp and eleanor received her first honor bead for her genius in cooking instead of in art besides these seven girls already described there was an eighth girl in the sunrise camp the stranger whom betty had brought home with her on the day their club had first been discussed the girl whose face was so familiar to mrs ashton but whose name was unknown there had been a question as to whether or not this particular girl could come to summer camp not because the other girls were unwilling to have her but because she worked in a milliner's shop in woodford and had to go back and forth to be at work every day quite by accident on the eventful afternoon betty had stooped by this shop in her journey to meg's to ask about her new spring hat and being so full of her plan had poured it into edith norton's ear while the little milner was trying on her hat naturally edith thought it was a wonderful plan so betty with one of her sudden impulses immediately insisted that the young milliner come home with her to become a member of their new campfire club 
this seemed at the time a perfectly impossible dream to edith who was a poor girl with her own living to make but then she did not understand betty's ability to make things happen every obstacle had been smoothed away edith was now riding betty's bicycle back and forth from camp to town every day and already the headaches which had first wakened betty's sympathy because of the pallor of her face and the dark circles under her eyes had begun to grow better from the daily fresh air and exercise of the campfire girls edith was the oldest she was about eighteen and had blonde hair and delicate features with brown eyes she might have been pretty but that she needed to grow stronger in body and character and already the girls and their guardian had discovered that edith was too fond of tea and coffee and sweets and modern novels for her own health or happiness the trouble was that her home was too filled with small brothers and sisters and a father and mother too poor to make them comfortable so that the eldest daughter had been forced to find her own pleasures the last two members of the sunrise hill camp were unknown to the other girls until a few days before they were two sisters daughters of a favorite doctor cousin of miss mcmurtry's who had been pupils in a fashionable boarding school in philadelphia they were not alike either in appearance or character for the older one of them thought too much about clothes and wealth and position and so immediately fell to admiring and imitating betty while the other was an impossible tomboy more like a feminine puck the very incarnation of mischief whose one idea of happiness seemed to lie in playing pranks juliet field the older girl had light brown hair and eyes was rather pretty and had a plump girlish figure round fat cheeks with a good deal of color and a piquant turned-up nose while beatrice whom everybody called b wore her curly dark hair cut short had a melancholy brown face entirely unlike her character and was as slender and small and quick in her movements as a tiny wren the two sisters and sylvia wharton slept in the tent with miss mcmurtry while the third tent sheltered eleanor edith meg and of course little brother when miss mcmurtry had awakened to discover that four of the campfire girls had gone in swimming without the others she had not been pleased more because she felt that betty and polly were too much inclined 
to be leaders among the girls and to disregard her advice they had not yet openly disobeyed her so of course she had been unable to say anything to them but now she made up her mind to hang in each tent the rules for each day's camp routine so that there could be no more uncertainty miss mcmurtry had merely been waiting to decide what rules were wisest before making her schedule as soon as their first masculine visitor departed eleanor meg and juliet announced breakfast at a comfortable distance from the kitchen fire a large white cloth had been spread on the grass and in the centre stood the great basket of fresh strawberries just brought over by the young man to whom polly had given such an uncomfortable reception a big coffee pot and two jugs of milk stood at opposite ends of the cloth besides toast and a dozen boiled eggs in a chafing dish while from the nearby fire came the most delicious food odor in the world bacon fried before open coals nevertheless the girls did not sit down to breakfast at once although they were dreadfully hungry already they had established certain campfire customs and one was their morning habit of reciting some verse of thanksgiving in unison before beginning the real living of their day the hymn which first introduced betty to esther was always sung at the close of each day but this morning verse had always to be original and one girl at a time was allowed to make the selection today it had fallen to polly's lot and she had taught it to the other girls over their campfire the night before so now the ten girls with their guardian in the centre stood in a semicircle facing sunrise hill the sun had fully risen and the earth as the indians used to say had become white led by polly they slowly recited this ancient chant shine on our gardens and fields shine on our working and weaving shine on the whole race of man believing and unbelieving shine on us now through the night shine on us now in thy might the flame of our holy love and the song of our worship receiving and when they had finished polly o'neill with a note of reverence in her voice that gave it an unconscious dramatic quality she would have vainly tried to have at any other time added we campfire girls worship not the fire but him of whom in ages past it was the chosen symbol because it was the purest of all created things and then 
without further ceremony there was a sudden rush for breakfast end of chapter eight